0: Good morning Good
1: morning oh,
0: it is so nice to have people be able to hear people say that back to me Awesome um, t- It is Memorial Day weekend and we have we've uh, lit the Paschal candle in memory of um, all the loved ones that um, we remember that we've lost uh, especially in remembrance of, of those who have served in the military and lost loved ones and so Um, I just want to um, remind us of that this morning as we gather for worship. And I want to invite us to turn our attention to God and begin to allow ourselves to focus on God's goodness and his graciousness and his presence with us no matter where we might be. And I invite us to join our voices together as we sing Reckless Love. And again, I invite you to say hello to each other. And I do want to invite you, especially this morning, if you are online, please say hello to folks. Say who you are and how many folks are worshiping with you, uh, even if you're in South Carolina or Arizona or Oklahoma or wherever you may be, uh, whether you're here in Cameron. And I want to encourage you to do that because I am not sure if folks really realize how many folks have been participating in worship through... Um, this pandemic. Um, I I couldn't help but scratch my head this week when folks started talking about we need to reopen churches as if churches had been closed, because we haven't closed church, have we? Um, And in fact, I don't know if you all know, but we typically worship around 160 on a Sunday is what we were doing with in-person worship. And um, we have had over 200 in worship online. Over 200 every Sunday we've worshipped online. Now, any other time, if we had done something that increased worship by that much, we'd be saying, hey, folks, we need to keep this up. We need to repeat this. So maybe there's a clue here for us. So for those of you who are online, don't worry. This is not going away. Even as more and more people come back here in person We're going to continue to worship online. I mean, a 25% increase in folks worshiping in Cameron United Methodist Church. And and that's the thing that's happening other places also. So um, worship is alive and well. God is alive and well. And the last time I checked, y'all don't need to come here to pray, do you? Right? I mean, can y'all pray at home? Good deal. And so I think prayers are being lifted up each and every day in the name of God in the midst of this pandemic. And so I celebrate the fact that we have continued to find creative ways to worship God this morning. And so, again, I hope all of those of you who are online will, um, will just check in, say who you are, say how many people are there, so that everybody can get an idea of just how many folks there are gathering together in various places Counting on the Holy Spirit to be among us so that our worship is still a corporate worship, even though it might be a little different. And I'm thankful for you all being here today also. I'm thankful that Debbie is back and joining Yay! us today. And I look forward as we continue to figure out how to, how to um, have more in-person worship. Um, I look forward to figuring that out. But in the meantime... Uh, we're going to worship as we have been for the last six to eight weeks. And so let us, um, I was going to say, join our voices together. I guess they can sing with you if they want. Absolutely. But Anne is going to play a rock of ages. So um, I'm looking forward to being blessed as she shares that with us. So You give me the high sign if this starts making noise. I need to pick up the hand mic, please. Um, Now comes an opportunity for um, our family time, and I just want to um, encourage. We're going to talk a little bit about faith today, and so I thought um, what I would do is ask you either around the living room where you are or on Facebook in chat, um, when you hear the word faith, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? So. Quickly share that online or share that um, in your living room. And you all are invited, the folks who are here. When you hear the word faith, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? Jesus, okay. Love. Love. Peace. Peace. Grace, okay, good. All right, um, often when we think of of faith, there's a lot of different things that come to mind. And I think sometimes in our uh, society, we have gotten the idea that faith sometimes is just an assent or a belief of certain um, principles, right? I think sometimes we think of faith as what we believe in, Um, but the word, the Greek word for faith means trust. And so, as we think about faith, I think it's important for us to understand that the word faith implies a trust. It implies a relationship. And so it's important for us, as we as we talk about faith, to be reminded that faith is not just believing that Jesus existed. It's not just about believing that Jesus uh, died for us. It's not bele- just believing that the Bible is true. Faith is having a trust that we are so convinced and confident that what God tells us and of God's goodness and his love and his grace for us, that we want to live according to God's ways. We want to live in relationship with Jesus. We trust the person of Jesus to lead us and to guide us and to be there with us. And so as we think about faith, it's important for us to remember that it is about a relationship and it is about trusting Jesus. And so I just invite us to remember that as we explore faith this day. And now I'm going to invite us to uh, bow our heads and uh, we are going to go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God as we uh, gather in this space and as we gather in living rooms across Cameron and even across um, the country, we would just ask, Lord, that you would remind us of your presence, that you would help us to bring Christ into focus in the midst of our worship and in the midst of our lives. We ask, Lord, as we gather, that, um, that you would forgive us for those times this week where we have failed, to trust you where we have failed to do the things that we know that you call us to do where we have failed to respond to the nudges that you have given us to pick up the phone and call someone or to write a note or or whatever it might be forgive us also lord for the times this week when we have just not been good examples of your love where we have said things that we know are hurtful where we have posted things online that maybe we shouldn't have before we thought, not thinking about the people that they might hurt or offend. For those times this week when we have simply felt you nudging us, but we have resisted. Forgive us, Lord, for the times this week when we have gone throughout our day without even giving a thought to your kindness and your grace and your love that surrounds us. Forgive us for those times when we were so confident in ourselves that we thought we could handle it all without your help. Indeed, Lord, as we gather at this time, would you forgive us for all of those things and all of those places where we have simply failed to live and to love like you, where we have failed to interact and connect with other people, and enable us in the week to come that each and every day we might get up and be ever aware of your presence with us, that we might live throughout each day knowing that you are with us and that you go with us and that you surround us so that we might pay attention to your voice and to the Spirit's nudging. Enable us to be empowered by that Spirit to respond to your nudges, to your leading so that this week we might be better at living and loving like Jesus, so that this week we might make a lasting positive difference in the lives of people whom we connect with. Gracious God, as we continue in our worship, we simply ask that you would open up our minds and open up our hearts and open up the very depths of our being. So that we might experience transformation. So that indeed we might be the people you call us to be this day and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now let us join as we sing, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus." The last week of talking about platitudes, Um, next week will be Pentecost, and so we are going to um, celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit at that first Pentecost, and so I hope that you will join us for that again uh, next week. And then after that, um, we're going to begin a series on uh, rethinking church and what it means to... Uh, be the church, and what it means to worship, and what it means for discipleship. And so I hope that you will join us for that also. Today we're going to look at, and maybe you've heard this platitude, maybe not. Um, It goes something like this. Anything is possible if you have faith, or if you have enough faith, or you may have heard it another way, Uh, faith can fix anything. Faith can fix anything. Um, And um, one of the places that I have, uh, one of the ways I've heard this said, there's a popular uh, pastor who has said uh, this, the more you believe and trust in God, the more faith you have, the more limitless your possibilities become for your family, your career, and your life. Um, I read another place where it says, if we focus on God, If we have so much faith in God that all we can see is God, then we will see um, our own impossible situations turn around. Is that true? Is that biblical? Those are the questions I want to ask today as we explore this. Now, you know, I've seen some uh, amazing miracles, some amazing things that God has done in the lives uh, of people. And so I do believe that that it is important to trust God. But you know, I've also seen good and faithful um, followers of Jesus who have lost their jobs, who have become stalled in their careers, whose marriages have fallen apart, who have lost loved ones at a very young age. And faith uh, just doesn't seem to be enough in those cases. I mean, I know that these people have faith, but it doesn't seem to fix their circumstances. In my own life, I have experienced the same thing. Yes, maybe you have too. I mean, maybe uh, this Parkinson's disease that Deb's dad got, maybe if we had just had more faith, he would have been cured of that and he wouldn't have died. I mean... Do we really believe that the platitude sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, But if we're not careful, if we take it to its ends and we begin to believe that faith can fix anything, uh, then we begin to beat ourselves up when something happens. And we think if I had just had more faith, I've seen this and experienced this in people. I think I told you a couple weeks ago, um, uh, I had some uh, folks that I ministered to uh, a while back who um, uh, the spouse had cancer. And they became so convinced uh, that if they just prayed and if they just had enough faith that, that, that the spouse would be cured. And, and they were so convinced and, and confident in the faith that they had. And yet, the spouse died from cancer. And the surviving spouse just could never get over it. They, they were convinced that somehow they hadn't had enough faith or, or that something had gone wrong. A- and in fact, so their total trust in God was almost destroyed. So you see this, this platitude that sounds good can also be dangerous in the minds of folks so the question is, is, well, is it biblical, though, Pastor? I mean, you know, sometimes there are things that we don't understand, but it's biblical. And after all, some of you may be thinking, um, Pastor, doesn't it say in Scripture, with God, all things are possible? I mean, come on now, Pastor. Uh, Doesn't it say if you have faith of a mustard seed that you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and be planted over here in the sea? Doesn't it say in scripture, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that you can move mountains and you will say to a mountain, uh, move from here to there and the mountain will do that? Doesn't it say that all things are possible to the one who has faith? Yes. Yeah, it does say that. What in the world do we do with those passages? Uh, I mean, it clearly says that. Well, maybe it would help if we take a look at a few of them. Uh, we can't, we're not going to look at all of them, but maybe we'll take a look at a few of them. Let's begin with Matthew 19.25 and Luke 18.27. Um, those are two similar stories, and I picked this one to start with because it's the easy one to explain. Um, it, and in at, uh, Matthew 19.25, Luke 18.27... Uh, uh, Jesus says it may be impossible for humans, but with God, all things are possible. Now, we like to pull passages like that out and put them on um, bumper stickers, right? Or put them on placards. But what is the context of that story? Does anybody remember? The context of that story is there's a rich young ruler who has come to Jesus and said, what do I have to do to earn eternal life? And Jesus says to the rich young ruler, in essence, you need to give up that which is in your way, your riches, and give them to the poor and follow me. And the disciples are like, um, well, like, and and the rich man walks away and and the disciples are like, well, God, if, if that rich person can't get into heaven, if that rich person can't receive eternal life, man, we're in trouble. Because, you know, the prevailing thought was that if your life was going well, God had blessed you and you were good. That was the prevailing thought then. Um, And so their context was, the context of this was, uh, they were saying, well, if this rich, wealthy person can't get in, who can get in? Uh, And so Jesus' response is not this response that you can do anything you want. But it, what it is saying is that this person may not be able to give up their wealth on their own, but with God's help, we can give up those things that get in the way of our faith and our following God. So, so see, it's important to see the context of uh, of this statement. Again, in Luke 17, um, this is where Jesus says, if If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry bush, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will happen. Now, now hopefully we know that Jesus is using hyperbole here. I mean, Jesus never did that, to the best of my knowledge. Jesus never moved mountains. But again, it's important for us to hear the context of this story. The context is, that the disciples are asking for more faith in response to Jesus' teaching about leading others toward God instead of being stumbling blocks. Uh, Jesus has warned them not to be a stumbling block and instead to lead people to turn toward God. And also in that passage, Jesus says that it is important to forgive people who have done wrong against you. And the disciples say, Give us more faith so that we can do that. At least that's how I read that. In other words, give us more faith so that we might indeed forgive those who do wrong against us so that we might not be stumbling blocks to other people. Instead, we might lead them to God. And I think in some ways he's saying, you know, you just need... It doesn't take a lot of faith in order to be able to do that. And so again, I think when we pull that out, we make it sound as if Jesus is saying, well, you know, if, if I just said, God, send a net back home. And I prayed really hard, I could make that happen. Or if, if I said, God, I want to see Oliver and Penelope, so put them here on the front row. No, not happening. <laughs> Hopefully they're still there at home and they're not somewhere in space. Yeah, I, I, I know. I'm being silly, but, but think about it. The, the reality is, is that we have to understand the context in which God tells these stories, in which Jesus tells these stories. There's other passages in Matthew 17 and Mark 9, which may be a little bit more uh, difficult. But again, it is not it's not referencing when we read these stories there. The disciples were unable to cast out a demon. They tried and tried to cast out a demon and they were unable to do so. And Jesus cast out the demon out of this uh, son of this man. And the disciples say, Why weren't we able to do that? And Jesus says something about their faith and again says, if you had faith of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, go from here to there. And that would happen. See, in that context, Jesus is is saying to his disciples, again, it's not about a faith. That gives them limitless potential in their lives or their career. It it is about having a faith, a trust in God that enables them to do the ministry for which they were called. Do you hear that? It, It is to enable them to do the ministry for which they were called. Part of me wonders maybe Part of the problem of the disciples there was that they had more faith in themselves. They had more faith in magic words that they could say rather than the faith in the God who they served. Maybe they would have been able to cast out the demon if they had called on God to cast out the demon rather than trying to do it in their own power and presence. But regardless of how we read these passages where Jesus says this, there is no context in which Jesus says things like this and he means or he says it in a context of just have enough faith and you'll get a good job and you'll have a great income and life will be wonderful. Nowhere that I can find does Jesus use these words in that context they're always, or at least they always seem to me to be around the ministry and around doing the work of the kingdom of God. Now, if that's not enough, I I thought I might read from Hebrews 11. Um, Y'all are familiar with Hebrews 11? That's the um, passage where there's just a litany of faithful followers of God. Uh, We hear about Abraham and Noah, we hear about Enoch, we hear about Moses, we hear about David. I mean, there's just this long litany of of people who were faithful to God. And and along about verse 32, I'm going to read from the message because I love the way Eugene Peterson puts this. Uh, But along about verse 32, it's almost as if the author of Hebrews, it's just like I could just go on and on and on and on and on giving you specific examples. And so he just bursts forth and he says this. I could go on and on, but I'm running out of time. Sounds familiar, huh? Maybe I should learn from the author of Hebrews. There are so many more. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms. They made justice work. They took the promises for themselves. They were protected from lions and fires and swords. Uh, they, they turned disadvantage to advantage. They won battles. They routed alien armies. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Uh, there were those who... Uh, and then if we just stop there, it would, be, it would be great, right? It would be great. It sounds... oh. What are you talking about, pastor? That sounds like all of these people who had faith. I mean, they, they canceled kingdoms. They, they conquered kingdoms. Um, they, they overcame lions and fires. They uh, participated in justice. But it keeps on going. And it says, Others braved abuse and whips, and yes, chains and dungeons. We have stories of those who were stoned, sawed in half, murdered in cold blood. Stories of vagrants wandering the earth in animal skins, homeless, friendless, powerless. The world didn't deserve them, making their way as best they could on the cruel edges of the world. Not a one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, experienced what they had hoped to see. God, God worked in a different way so that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete and whole, so that their lives of faith and our lives of faith would work together. You see, there's a perfect example here in, in Hebrews 11 of folks whose lives were not so great, and yet they were called faithful. I think sometimes we forget that, that being having faith is not just about everything going well. In fact, for the prophets in the Old Testament, it seldom went well for them. As they called the people to turn back to God... Uh, as they offered hope in the midst of despair, they were often persecuted and ostracized because their message was not popular. And yet no one would say that the prophets were not faithful. No one would say the first disciples who experienced torture and stoning and some were crucified, none would say that they we're not faithful. You see, faith is not about limitless possibilities that have to do with our wealth or our well being or the jobs that we have. And in fact, I want to read one more passage from Mark chapter 11. Again, this is a passage where Jesus shares these words. And here's what he says beginning in verse 22. Have faith in God. I assure you that whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and doesn't waver but believes that that what is said will really happen, it will happen. Jesus says this. I think he means it in a hyperbolic way rather than literally. He goes on to say, therefore I say to you, whatever you pray and ask for, believe that you will receive it and it will be so for you. And whenever you stand up and pray, if you have something against anyone, forgive so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your wrongdoing also. I know you're like, well, well, pastor, you're talking in circles now. Now you're turning around and no. No. In that context, Jesus is not talking About a faith that leads to to easy living. God is not talking about faith in the way uh, that some of those quotes I gave you earlier were. Where it says, if you have enough faith, you you have limitless possibilities in your life, in your career, in, in your pocketbooks. He is not saying there. That if you have enough faith, you can turn around any bad situation and get rid of any obstacles. That's not what he's talking about. What he is saying is that when we have faith in God, not ourselves, we have the power of God within us. And it's not that uh, the possibilities are limitless in uh, our personal lives, but it means that... that. Um, We are limitless in our ability to live and to love like Jesus. See, when we have faith in God and trust in Jesus and we seek to follow him, then we do have limitless possibilities to live and to love like Jesus. We have limitless possibilities to make a lasting positive difference in the lives of other people when we trust and we follow in God's ways. We can be assured that regardless of what happens to us, if we live faithful lives that demonstrate God's love, though we may suffer persecution or bad things may happen to us, that when we live lives trusting God, demonstrating the peace and the grace and the love that people will take note. And it will impact their lives and it will impact the world. And so the writer of Hebrews continues in chapter 12 and says, Do you see what this means? all these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans, they're cheering you on. It means that we'd better get on with it. We'd better strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep our eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish. In and with God. He put up. With a whole heck of a lot. Along the way. The cross and shame. And whatever. And now. And now he. He is with God. And he is with us. And so when we find. Ourselves. Failing in faith. Let us. Hear the stories of the faithful people of God once again. And let us know that if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, we cannot just say to mountains, figuratively, go from here to there, but we, we can live and love like Jesus in such a way that it makes a difference in the lives of other people. That, folks, is the faith that Jesus offers us today and every day. And as Eugene Peterson says, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls if you allow it to and will send you forth in the name of Christ this day. Amen. I invite you in these moments uh, to just take a time and reflect about your own faith, your own trust in Jesus. Have you been so disappointed that Jesus has not given you or made your life the way that you wanted it, that you have failed to trust and live according to the ways that he has clearly leads us and guides us? If so, I invite us today to recommit ourselves to trust in Jesus. Not just with our mouths, but with our actions. And so I invite you this day as you, um, as you offer up yourselves, as you give a portion of what God has blessed you with, and you put that in the mail and you send it to us, also be asking yourself, what is God calling you to do? And what step of faith is he asking you to take so that you might make a difference in the life of somebody else? Let us join our voices together. As we sing, just as I am.
2: You welcome me, you turn.
0: love that um, I'll never be the same again, yes? yes. Hopefully, that's what you have experienced. In, in encountering Christ and knowing Christ and trusting Christ, we will never again be the same. We come just as we are, but, but through the Holy Spirit, God shapes us and forms us and enables us, enables us to participate in his kingdom work so that we, might make a difference in the lives of other people so that we might demonstrate God's love and grace. What a wonderful privilege that is. I invite you to go forth this week to allow the Spirit to work within you, to have a faith that that you know that God is with you and God will enable you to do that for which He calls you to do. So that your very lives might demonstrate his love in the lives of others. Go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to be God's faithful people. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.